0: listening to first church charlotte we talk about the idea of proclaiming and declaring proclaiming and declaring there is power there is great power in our words and it's not simply in a mystical sense in the manner of some uh, mythologized story where You have power over the wind because you know the name of the wind. That's not the point. The point is that you are a creature of intention and you direct yourself toward that which you intend. And language becomes the method by which you define what you will do and who you will be. And so language is an act of creation in the same manner that in the beginning uh, was the word and the word was with God. That word is not accidentally chosen. It's not an error of translators. It is very much an image of God defining through spoken divine word. And so you see this in the, the, the scene, the, the moment of the creation, where uh, into this chaos, the world, the Bible says, was without form and void. It was covered with darkness. And into this chaos, what does God do? God speaks. And He speaks that which He wills into this chaos, this, this, this world that is without form, it is, it is without order. And God speaks. Divine intention into this chaos, and he does so with word. And so, this double image, both in the Old Testament creation story of the word of the Lord speaking, and this New Testament reality that in the beginning, John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the word. This idea that word is the manner in which we define intention. Uh, We use language in our thought processes. Uh, There are some schools of thought that actually believe language is the the real beginning of when you see, if you were to go to uh, the the, the wildest wilderness, the the most howling wilderness you could imagine, and there uh, you meet You meet people. uh, If they have language, uh, then they have culture. If they have language, they have civilization. If they have language, they they are something you can recognize because it is our language that defines, that communicates. And so this image is a biblical image, and there's so much depth in it that oftentimes we rush past it just thinking, oh, that sounds really formal and appropriate. In the beginning was the word. But what does God do in decay? God speaks into chaos. What do you do into chaos? Well, most of us run screaming. <laughs> we look at our chaos, and it is very impressive to us, but our words that we speak seem like such small things. But God speaks into chaos. There is tremendous power in our words. One more image I want to give you, and I believe it's Deuteronomy 30. By the way, all the notes I'm preaching from are on our website. If you go to firstchurchclt.com, you can click sermon notes and you'll have all the notes I'm preaching from. Um, There's this image in Deuteronomy chapter number 30. This isn't in the notes, but I'll give it to you at a discount rate. Uh, There's this image, and it's it's the Lord speaking. And he's speaking speaking through uh, leadership, of course, but the idea is this. I have set before you today death and life. I have set before you today death and life. Do you see? Now, that is language that can simply represent something that is of an eternal, something that's of a spiritual nature, but in your practical day to day life, you may wonder, okay, exactly what does that mean for me in my life choices? That's not something I connect actions to. It's it's like a spiritual thing. God has set before me death and life, and then the Lord says this through through th- in this moment through the the, the, the leadership and through uh, this spiritual opportunity that is being offered through covenant to the people of God. He says, I've set before you uh, death and life, or life and death. And then he says, blessing and cursing. Both blessing and cursing must be communicated. Do you see? It is the definition of what will be relative to you or If you're the one, the speaker, uh, relative to someone else, you define things by that which you speak. This is so, so, uh, so spiritually founded and biblically founded that you will find this idea over and over again, not just in the practical commands of, of guarding your lips and guarding what you say, but in the spiritual images of, of the scripture, for example, uh, we we follow this through over and over by that which we say. We are told to speak to uh, the mountains. We're told to whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. There is something powerful in the word, the communication, the intentional definition of that which will be. There's an old country saying that goes like this a horse is caught by its mouth. Uh, So I wonder if that's true of the rest of us. Uh, I think the Bible uh, says this. This is Luke 6 and verse 45. I'm going to read it in the New Century uh, version. I love the the translator's choice of words. Good people bring good things out of the good they store in their hearts. Did you hear what he said? Good people bring good things out of the good they store in their hearts. But evil people bring evil things out of the evil they store in their heart. People speak the things things that are in their heart you want to know how you're doing you want to know how your heart is doing listen to what you say If your heart is filled with fear, you're going to breathe out a language laced with fear. If your heart is filled with doubt, you're going to speak out language that is laced with, with doubt. It's not, there, There's no need for the prophet to tell you what's in your heart. Just listen to what is coming out of your mouth. That is why, as people of faith, I want to speak the promises of God. I want faith to come out of my mouth. I want joy to be spoken by my tongue. I want the promises of God to be confessed one to another. I want, you see, what we live with is what we communicate. You can fake it for a little while. But the moment will come where that which is in you will ooze out, and it will sometimes blast out, and sometimes uh, oo. <laughs> you get all the the various verbs. I'm going to stop because that gets dangerous really, really fast. I want you to see something, and and this is real. Your language is the dashboard indicator that God gave you on just how good your heart is doing. That's why we should be slow to speak and quick to hear. That is why when we speak, it ought to be that God can and God will. It ought to be God wants to save you. God wants to heal you. God wants to bless you. I want good for you. I want blessing for you. I want the promise. Oh, come on, somebody. You need to start proclaiming some things in your life. You need need to stand and say, I declare that God is going to bring me through my trouble. There's this statement given to us, uh, so interesting in Romans 10. And the writer says, uh, verse 10 For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by confessing. What do you do when you confess? You use language. By confessing with your mouth. Now, notice this. When you repent of your sins, what do you do? You speak repentance from your mouth. Lord, I'm a sinner. I am sorry. I should have been doing right. Haven't been doing very right. have been doing good, haven't been doing very good. Been hanging out with crazy people, doing crazy things. What are you doing? You are repenting. How are you doing it? You're not doing it by some translation of a mind state to mind state. You are speaking with your mouth. What have you done? You have repented of your sins. When you want your heart to be right with God, what do you do? You confess. Lord, I confess I've been dealing with doubt. I confess I've been facing fear. I confess it. I turn away from it. Choose life. Yes, choose life. I turn away from it. I confess it. I turn it. How are you doing that? You are speaking that. When you praise God, what do you do? You open your mouth and say hallelujah. You open your mouth and say God is good. You open your mouth and say great is the most high God. How are you doing it? Not by translating some mindset. You are opening your mouth and you are speaking intention into a world of possibility. And in my world, I want my God to be great. I know he's great but I need to perceive him. Okay, you do that with your mouth. You've repented with your mouth. You've confessed with your mouth. You have truly praised and worshiped with your mouth. When you're baptized, there is a name we speak over you as a sign of divine adoption. That's the point of being baptized in his name is that you are no longer spiritual orphans. You are now in some manner that is beyond the flesh but only can truly be perceived in the depths of the spirit. Spirit, you are no longer an orphan, but you are the son, you are the daughter of Almighty God. How do we do that? We speak the name of Jesus. And finally, when you, if when, when the Lord gives you a gift of the Spirit, the Lord gives you a gift of the Holy Spirit, the sign of it, uh, He will, on the day of Pentecost, you see, what do they do? They speak with tongues. What did the prophets say? Stammering lips and another tongue, I will speak to my people. It is as though the sign is this, the symbol is this. God's word has replaced your word and you no longer speak what you would say, but you speak what God would say. It's called utterance. At every stage of this process of spiritual transformation, there is the necessity for you to speak something. And it does not end at the beginning. The whole of your Christian walk is going to be you speaking, you proclaiming, and you declaring what God has promised you that you can have. Let me read Psalm 66, verse 16. Come and hear all ye that fear the Lord, and I will declare what he hath done, for my soul. I'm talking about the necessity of us proclaiming and declaring what God has done for us. In a few moments, we're going to take communion together. And even here, this same principle is established. When we read together the institution of the Lord's Supper given to us in 1 Corinthians by the Apostle Paul, it will end with this phrase, which we say every single time. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, what do you do? You proclaim. Somebody say proclaim. You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. If you're not having victory in your life, it might be because you're not saying the right things or you are actively saying the wrong things. Your job is to proclaim the God you serve. Your job is to proclaim that He is faithful and He is true. And He, now, if you want to be content to live in despair, I can't stop you from doing that. Some people enjoy that. But speaking for myself, I hate living in despair. And so, what I need to do is get up out of my despair and say, My God has set me free, and I, through His blood, am free indeed. And so, I I proclaim victory in my life today. I proclaim joy in my life today. I proclaim hope in my... So I want to speak to you. I proclaim healing in your life today. I proclaim victory in your life today. I proclaim anointing in your life today. I proclaim blessing. Oh, praise God, somebody. So, the Bible gives us so much of this language. We really could could do weeks of study on this, but we're not going to do that. Uh, There are three categories that I want to direct your attention to. First of all, what creation declares and proclaims second of all what God declares and third of all what we declare do you see what's happening here everyone in their own way and with their own abilities and their very act of existence is making declarations the creation declares God declares and we the people of faith we declare very quickly what does creation declare creation declares the glory of God God, and, and the heavens declare his righteousness. Psalms 19 and, and Psalms 97, it's all in your notes. The heavens declare the glory of God and the heavens declare his righteousness. Now, when we, you and I speak of righteousness, we tend to think in terms of I have been being good. I haven't been bad. I am capable of bad. I'm capable of a lot of bad, but I haven't been being really bad, maybe a little bad, but I haven't been being really bad, but I've been living righteously lately. I'm So proud of myself. I've been living right. Hatman, you know, hanging out, acting bad, going on cruises with Tina and stuff like that. You know, I've been right there. (laughs) That's funny. I don't care what you say. Um, I've been doing good. I've been living right, and uh, that's when we say righteousness. We think, hear me, righteousness in terms of rules. Why? Because we're in conflict with our nature. If we let our nature go, hmm, you know how you'll act. Your mama will be so ashamed of you. And your mother in law will be like, "I knew she was no good from the beginning <laughs> you <laughs> You and I, we're at war with our nature. That's why we need spiritual transformation. Can I have a big amen? So when we talk of righteousness, we think in terms of been being good. When we talk about God's righteousness, it's not about God being good. He's not at war with his nature. God has no desire or need to be evil because there's no evil in his nature. And so when we say the righteousness of God, we're not saying he's been doing good, hasn't been hanging around with crazy women and cigarettes, whiskey, and all that. No, that's not what we're talking about when we're talking about God's righteousness. We're talking about God does all things right. Yeah. Not because he's trying to be good, but because it's who he is. It is his nature. He is the sum of all goodness, the sum of all beauty. He doesn't have to try to bless you. You just have to open a door and let him show up. And the goodness of God will begin to, oh man, I wish I was preaching at the right church. Am I at the right church? The goodness of God will begin to overflow you. You won't even know how to say it, you won't even know where to start. I can't even describe it. God has been so good to me. I woke up in the morning. And he was good. I had struggle in the day, but he brought me through. I was attacked in the afternoon, but I am more than a conqueror. I laid down my head, and there was peace. All right. You're taking up my time. Quit hollering at me. So what does God declare? God declares his covenant. God defines that which is right. And God declares the end from the beginning. Deuteronomy 4, Isaiah 45, Isaiah 46. He declares his covenant. His covenant has been given to you through faith. The same promise that he gave to our father of the faith, Abraham, is available to us. I love to preach about this covenant because it's so profound and how the Lord uh, honored it and how the Lord in the actual moment in the book of Genesis of the uh, inaugural, the, the, the moment of the sacrifice, and when the two parties, and I, I don't have Time for this, but there's this symbolic image in the in the covenants of old, where they they take a sacrificial animal, and they actually half the animal, and then the two parties, having made this covenant, they pass between the animal and they say to their gods. This isn't just a Jewish faith. This is all the faiths of the time. If we break this covenant, would you do unto us as we have done to these animals? And so the sacrifice of the animals, because sim- symbolic of the covenant. If we break this covenant, would you break us? That is how. All ancient covenants were made and that's the same imagery that, Je- that that not jesus but that's a new testament thing but well yes jesus but you get the idea god uh he does the same thing with abraham in the book of genesis but the difference is when the animal is halved the the the, the 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 theophany of god passes between the sacrificial animal and never asks abraham to go through the animal as if to say if you if i break the covenant i will be i will pay the price for it and if you break the covenant i'll pay the price for it too yeah. Yeah. even in genesis there's this imagery of mercy grace yeah. mercy grace let me tell you god is good there is nothing evil in his nature he is good he declares his covenant he said he's going to fight your battles He said he's going to empower you to possess the promised land. He said through his covenant that he has prepared a place for you and he declares his covenant to you. With that covenant declared over you, you are spiritually rich, 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 rich. You are blessed beyond all things. God declares that which is right and finally God declares the end from the beginning. I don't know how things are going to turn out but God knows exactly how things are going to turn out. God knows and God has it all in his hand. Things don't surprise God. I get surprised, you get surprised. I sometimes uh, look back with sometimes the sense of shock and awe, like, man, I didn't see that coming at all. But things don't slip up on God. God wins in the manner of the king of all glory. Even when it seems like he's defeated, you just haven't seen the whole board. And just about the time you start to celebrate, coming out of the corner of your perception is a cross. And that cross says, by the way... I lost except I won, and you lost except you won through my victory. And so this covenant, this righteousness of God, this end from the beginning is declared from God. Now, what do we declare? If the creation declares His glory and speaks of how He does all things right, and He speaks of His covenant and His right, His uh, He speaks of His covenant, His righteousness, and the end from the beginning. What do we declare? What is our responsibility to declare? I'm going to very quickly move through these. Uh, the first thing we declare is the glory of the Lord. First Chronicles 16, 24. Declare his glory among the heathen. Somebody say yes. yes. Declare his glory among the heathen. Don't just be righteous with righteous people, testify with unrighteous people. Yes. Now, I know the person you're sitting by right now might be one of those unrighteous people. Yeah. But you still should not let them stop you. <laughs> Some of you really enjoyed that. Y'all like are really laughing about that right now. I want you to know we declare the glory of God, not just when we understand, but all the time we declare the glory of the Lord. We declare his doings. Can I have an amen? We de- That's Isaiah 12. We declare his judgment, Psalms 119. We declare his greatness. Somebody say, yes, Lord. That's Psalms 145. We declare his faithfulness. Has God been faithful to anybody? Would some Someone stand to their feet right now and say, I declare the faithfulness of the Lord in my life. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. I declare the faithfulness of the Lord. I just want everybody here right now to know God's been faithful to me. I want to speak to every, every problem, every fear, every doubt. I want to speak and I want to declare God has been faithful to me. Somebody give God some praise in this place. All right, you may be seated. I'm not done. You're not lucky. <laughs> we declare the works of the Lord. Psalms 107, Psalms 118, Psalms 145. We declare his works. This is Psalms 145 and four. One generation shall praise thy works to another. When you sit down with your grandchildren, you know what you ought to say to them? God's been so good to me. And when you sit down with your grandparents, you know what you ought to say to them? God's been me and one generation uh, says to another generation your context is different than mine your problems are different than mine your mountains are different than mine but let me tell you what stays the same God's been so good to me The, the most common thing is for one generation not to understand the context of another generation's life. That's why all, as we get older, all kids, they, you just look, I don't know what's coming to this young generation. Every person who's ever lived, they get old. In fact, the first recorded uh, clay tablet of any type was found in Mesopotamia. And it says something about how um, this generation, this new generation just, just doesn't respect and doesn't, it's not much worth. That's one of the oldest, oldest pieces of, of, of recorded language in the American story. Uh, not the Americans. well, kind of the American, the human story, okay? Don't get me mixed up. I blame this section right here for getting me confused. I, I want you to see we speak one generation to another, all of you over 60. God's been so good. Yeah. Let me try that again. All you, y'all can't hear. Why did I get quiet for the old people? Y'all can't hear nothing. I'm losing my, so I want to say to all the elders, God's been so good, 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 good. (laughs) Do I have any elders in the house that'll agree with me on that right there? God has been so good to me. All right, I need some kiddos. I got some kiddos down here. Look at these good-looking suckers down here on the front row. Man, if I was that good-looking, I'd trade my looks in at uh, the pawn shop. Uh, (laughs) Look at these good-looking girls over here. Y'all so fancy. You're really fancy. Don't be shaking your head at me, little girl. Fancy as you can be. I want to say something. My generation to your generation, God's been so good to me. He has kept me. I want to tell all these young people, you can't do any dumb thing that the rest of us haven't already done, even if we didn't get caught. Now y'all shouldn't do it because y'all ain't lucky and y'all will get caught and they will lock you up. So don't be doing crazy stuff. You know what I'm saying? But those of us who have lived through some crazy stuff, I'm here to tell you God's been so good to me. I said God has been so good to me. One generation declares the goodness, the works, the blessings of God to another generation. All right, y'all are making me preach long. This is not my fault. This is all on y'all. Okay, so we declare his glory, his doing, his judgments, his greatness, his faithfulness. We declare his works. We declare his name. Come on. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know. We declare his name. We declare his deity, the true God. Like Paul preaching there at the the, the altar to the unknown God, he said, whom you ignorantly worship, I declare unto you. We declare the gospel. This is the gospel. It's not the good theology. It's much simpler than that. It's just good news. So don't fight over the gospel. Just share the gospel it's not the good you know debate it's the good news it goes like this we once were separated from God but a way has been made that we can have our access to God and thus have a personal relationship with God and I want you to know his presence has changed my life and I want you to experience if you're if you would just let draw nigh unto God he will draw nigh unto you this is the gospel we declare the reality of heaven Hebrews 11 the story of the faithful they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country what are you doing I want to make heaven my home I don't know what it's all going to be like I don't know how it's all going to be manifest I don't know what it's going to be but I promise you um, we're not going to be sitting on a cloud with a, with a, a robe over one shoulder like a toga in a heart because after about 15 minutes of that we would all just jump off that cloud and end it all we couldn't we, we couldn't we, we, we couldn't do that I don't know what it's going to be, but it's not going to be togas and clouds and harps. la 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 No, it's not going to be that. One thing I know is going to happen is there's going to be good food. Mm. You're at the right church. You know who you are. You're at the right church. Finally, we declare the message of God. This is John. This then, this is chapter 1, verse 5. This then is the message that we have heard from him and declare unto you, God is light. In him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship and walk in darkness, we're lying. We're not telling the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. Don't talk about having fellowship with God when you fight with everybody in the church. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us. Do you see how the vertical is connected with the horizontal and the horizontal relational to relationship? is connected to the divine relationship vertically. This is the reality that I want to declare to you. And I think Psalm 66 says it best. Come and hear all ye that fear the Lord and I will declare what he hath done for my soul. So this year for me is going to be a year of declaring and proclaiming the promises of God in my life. I am going to more than I ever have in my life. I'm going to try to not give fear an inch. And when fear comes, I'm going to say, the Lord is my shepherd. I'm going to try with, this is my new year resolution. I'm going to try with every ounce in my, not to give discouragement an inch. But the moment it comes at me, I'm going to proclaim right back The intention of my soul. That's the word. I'm declaring the intention of my soul. The word into the chaos, the fear, all the distraction that is our life and and how we have lived it. We, We speak intention. I am strong. Let the weak say they are strong. So I speak to my weakness and I say I am strong. I speak to my fear and I say, Be not afraid. This is the year of my proclamation that He is enough and that my, my declaration that I am His and He is mine. In Jesus' name. Oh, I feel the presence of the Lord here right now. Mm-mm. Some of you are barely hanging on to what religion you, what tattered bit of religion you have left. And you know it, you hide it well. You, you clean up really good. I want you to know. You clean up, you just look so fancy and you look so righteous. I don't, I'm not even sure your feet touch the ground when you walk, you look so good. But you know and I know that you're hanging on to a tattered little bit of faith. It's time for you to start fighting back. And it's time for you to start speaking intention, divine heavenly intention, into the chaos of your life and say, Let there be hope. And let there be joy. Do I have any agreement in this house? How how many of you need to say, Let there be joy in your life right now? Okay, right now, those of you stand with me right now. You raised your hand, stand with me right now. We're going to say it right now. Are you ready? On uh, on the count of three, you're going to say it with me. One, two, three. Let there be joy. Mm. How many? How many of you feel like you've, you're living in some dead end circumstances? and You need some hope that things are going to get better. Yeah. Amen. yeah. Okay. Okay. I want you to stand with me right now, and I want you to say this right now. Ready? On three. One, two, three. Let there be hope. Word. 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 So when that happens. The Spirit of the Lord is moving on the waters. Let there be light. And there... Man, that's some good preaching. Holy, I'm going to have to give myself a compliment. (laughs) Let there be light and there... The power of your intention makes a difference in your life. Quit talking to God about your mountain and start talking to your mountain about your God. Yeah. Let let there be joy. Let there be blessing. Let there be hope. Let there be spiritual confidence. Let there be blessings from above. Let there be healing. I want to see more healing in this year than I've ever seen. Not just physical, that, yes, but I want to see spiritual healing. I want to see people come and find a connection to God and a connection to a body of believers. Let there be, in Jesus' name, His presence in our life. Let there be. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them.